Celtics versus Bucks game four is a must win for Boston. If the Celtics win tonight, we're looking at an epic seven game series. If they lose, this series is over. Switch over to the West. If the Warriors win tonight, they take a commanding 3-1 lead over the Rockets. But should they lose, which is very possible, this is anybody's series. And all the pressure shifts to the defending champs. It's the Cypher. Game four is a must win for the Celtics. Cut and dry. If they lose tonight, series over. They're going back down 3-1 to Milwaukee. It's a wrap. Tonight, I know they can win with balanced scoring, and I know a lot of people say the ball should move more. The balls move fine. The problem is they're not making shots. When you look at the stat lines, when you look at the box score, and it says Kyrie had eight assists, the game I watched, he should have had 12 or 13 assists. Guys were just missing shots. Let's not make this series all about Kyrie, but I will say this. Tonight, this particular night, to get them back into where this is going to be on pace to go seven, they need superstar Kyrie to show up. They need Kyrie to show up and establish from the jump early on, not Eric Bledsoe, not George Hill, not anybody is going to be able to slow him down. Tonight, they need 35 to 40 from Kyrie. They need over 50% from the floor, 40% from three. 90% from the line. They need ankle breaker Kyrie to show up. Ankle breaker Kyrie will give his teammates a confidence boost. I think ankle breaker Kyrie handles Kyrie, opens up things, not only for Jalen Brown, but for Jason Tatum, he's struggling. For Gordon Hayward, who's struggling. Al Horford's been solid, but he needs to be better than solid tonight. Tonight, we need all-star Al Horford. The Celtics need all hands on deck because right now, The way this series is going, Milwaukee's just imposing their will. They are the bigger, they're the more physical team. But the scariest part is, between the two teams, they're the better shooting team. Boston's problem is they get nothing easy. Boston is last in the NBA all year long at getting points in the restricted area. That has not changed. If they're going to get back in this series... They can't settle for long jump shots in threes. They've got to get something going towards the basket. They have to be aggressive. I expect Milwaukee to play the suit. I don't think they change anything. They're going to move the ball around. They're going to try to run the offense through Giannis. And when that doesn't work, they'll swing it outside and let Chris Middleton do his thing. By the way, Chris Middleton, he's been the second best player in this series. And that's not a good sign of your boss. And Kyrie can't let that roll like that. He's got to be better than that. Tonight, I expect this to be a great game. I'm not booking it that Boston wins, but I will say this. Lose, it's a wrap. But the way that Giannis gets to the line, the way that he can control the game by getting your team into the penalty, I think Milwaukee wins tonight. I think they take control. I think this series is over. I'm going to do a Paul Pierce. (laughs) After they lose tonight, the series is over. Then you swing over into the Western Conference. I told people when Golden State went up 2-0, it's far from over. It's not over. You just have to look at the numbers and really watch what's going on in this series. Yes, Golden State was up 2-0. But Houston was getting everything they wanted on both ends of the floor. KD's shooting 43%. He's great, 
But if you look at his efficiency, it's a lesser version of what he normally does. Steph is shooting 35% from the floor. He's shooting 25% from three. Clay is at 40%. He's shooting 35%, which is solid for most people, but those are notches below what Clay normally does. So their big three, even though KD has a gaudy number, he's averaging 36 points for the series, his efficiency overall is down. His rebounding is down because he's basically just a perimeter player. Everything he's doing is on the outside. I think for Golden State to shut this down, they have to step up their defense. Their team defense has been erratic at best. They've got to step up their defense, and they've got to get Steph and Clay going. Look, if Steph and Clay have another game like they did the last game, they're going back to Oracle 2-2. And if it's 2-2, it's anybody's series. My gut feeling is, my gut feeling is, of course, Steph's going to play better. But will it be enough? Look, KD's mortal. And he's been carrying them maybe the last eight games. Sooner or later, he's going to have a game where he only gets 18 or 19. Maybe he'll just have a completely off shooting night. I think the Rockets tie the game up. I think they tie the series up. Excuse me. I think the Rockets tie the series up and we go back to Oracle where all the pressure will fall on the Warriors. I think we're going for a seven game series. And when you look overall at what the Rockets are doing, look at what Harden's doing after a slow start. 35 points, six rebounds, five assists. He's still shooting under 40%. But over the last two games, he's shooting 45%. He's actually getting better. Eric Gordon's been a problem the whole series, over 24 points. Chris Paul, 16 points. Capella's been better over the last couple of games. And they've gotten big contributions from Austin Rivers and P.J. Tucker, not to mention Iman Shumpert and Nene with his size, his ability to get on the boards. If Golden State is vulnerable, it's in the interior and it's on the offensive boards. I think ultimately Houston's going to win tonight. I think this series is headed for seven as well. A key tonight, I would say watch the turnover and watch how many times the Rockets are able to get to the foul line. Raptors take back. Home court advantage. Series is now tied at 2-2, heading back for game five in Toronto. This series is all about Kawhi Leonard. For Toronto, 39 points, nine rebounds, four assists, shooting 61% from the floor, 46 from three. As great as KD has been, and he's been next level great, as great as the Joker has been, Giannis has been great as well. No player has played better than Kawhi Leonard in the second round. No player has been more dominant than Kawhi Leonard has in this series. That said, if you look at what Jimmy Buckets has done, Jimmy Butler's giving you 23, 8, and 6, shooting 46% from the field, getting to the line. I would say that Jimmy Butler is holding up his end of the bargain. No, he's not better than Kawhi Leonard. But he doesn't have to outplay Kawhi. He has to make Kawhi guard. He has to put up numbers, and he's done that. He's done his part. The guys that are missing in action, in and out, Ben Simmons. 10 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists, not good enough. Joel Embiid for the series, 18 points, 8 rebounds, 4 assists, not good enough. And I know with Embiid, there are health issues. But he was healthy for Game 3, and then his stomach started acting up again for Game 4. And he had the same problem early in the series. 
So with him, sure, health is a is an issue, but it's not his knee. And if you're out there playing, if you're out there competing and you think you can help your team, then help your team. Because right now, the last couple of games, I would say that Marcus Gasol has played him even, and that should not happen. I'm looking at Tobias Harris and, you, you know, shooting 34% and then shooting under 30% from three, not good enough. The problem with the Sixers is people talk about this, this starting five, but this starting five is kind of unique and you have to look at how the parts fit. Other than Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick, the rest of that starting five, they're not holding up their end of the bargain. And that's the one advantage the Sixers had over the Raptors. The Raptors are the deeper team. They have more overall talent and they have the best player in the series. The Sixers were supposed to take advantage of that top heavy starting five. Jimmy Butler's done his part. J.J. Redick has played well. He shot well. Redick, 51% from the floor, 42% from three, 15 points a game. If anything, he needs to get more shots. They need to run more plays. By the way, if you watch the Sixers offense, I don't know what Brett Brown does. I'm not sure that they run a set offense. It looks like they're just playing pickup. Because when you've got a guy that can shoot like J.J. Redick or even a Tobias Harris, then you run pin downs. Or you do something, even if you get them in pick and pop situations, and I don't see that. The Sixers' offense looks erratic. They're at their best, though, so far when Jimmy Buckets is the primary. But if Butler's your primary, what do you do with Ben Simmons? Because he's not a spot-up shooter, and even though he's 6'10 and athletic, he's not posting up. Ben Simmons has got to find a way to make himself more impactful. He's got to find a way to make a contribution. I know he's 6'10". I know he's athletic with quick feet, and they want him to be a great defender. But so far in this series, he hasn't done anything. Kawhi Leonard is shooting shots on Ben Simmons that he was shooting practice with assistant coaches. Ben Simmons doesn't bother him a little bit. He's making it look easy. Matter of fact, I actually think the Sixers are better when Ben Simmons isn't on the floor. I don't think Philly can win this series if that starting five is not going to put up numbers. I know, I get it, and I've already said it about Embiid's health, but Embiid's health was going to be an issue no matter what. But what that doesn't make an excuse for Tobias Harris. That's not an excuse for Ben Simmons. If Redick and Jimmy Buckets can pick it up, so can they. But if you're asking me who I think is going to win the series, I think the Raptors are going to ultimately win this series. I don't think the Sixers are going to do anything to slow Kawhi Leonard down. I think the Raptors are going to advance to the conference finals. Blazers Nuggets is a lot like Raptors Sixers. Both teams have dominant players. Both teams are going to try to find a way to get production that offset those dominant players. And so far, the Nuggets are winning that battle. Even though the series is 2-2, going back to Denver, I think Denver has all the momentum. I think they found something. Will Barton has come out of his shell. He's been struggling all playoffs long, and now he's looking like the super six man that he's been the last couple of seasons. But the key to this series, what's really given Denver momentum is the play of Jamal Murray. If Jamal Murray is going to play Damian Lillard even, if you're going to get the production you get from Gary Harris, from Will Barton, and Malik Beasley, that offsets what C.J. McCallum can do. The real advantage that Portland had coming into this series, why I actually picked them to win this series, I thought that their backcourt 
would be so dominant over the Nuggets perimeter players over their wings. I thought that would be the difference. And because Murray has played Lillard even and Harris, Barton and Beasley have actually outplayed CJ. If, if you look at that as a, as a group, the way they've done it that way by committee, it's offset their numbers. And then you've got Joker giving you 26, 13 and nine. That's amazing. Shooting over 52% from the field and from three. The Blazers are losing this series plain and simple because Denver has more talent. They are the more talented team. They had one advantage and Jamal Murray and company have taken away that one advantage. And there's nothing Denver can do or pardon me. There's nothing the Blazers can do with the Joker. Jokic is killing them in the paint and in the high post. And as good as Ennis Cantor has played, and he's played well. If I told you my backup center, who we signed last minute, was going to give you 16 and 10, you would take that. The problem is the Joker is just so dominant in all phases, there's nothing Cantor can do with him. I think going forward, this is going to be a seven-game series that ultimately the Nuggets are going to win because of their, their, their depth and the play of Murray and Joker. I was about to post this episode yesterday, and you know what happens? Real life gets in the way. My wife needed help with a project. My 13-year-old had a choir. She had a choir event, so I went to that. So what happened is I got home, and when I got home, the Celtics-Bucks game was already on. It was mid-first quarter. So, of course, I got caught up in the game. And I watched the game play out. And I really expected more of the Celtics, even though I picked the Bucks to win. And it just never happened. You look at Boston, and it's a team in disarray. You look at how they played, and there's just no chemistry. At one point, it really looked like they were just completely disconnected. And, and maybe that's been the problem with this team all season. And here's the thing. As a sports fan, as someone who's doing this podcast to, to put out this information, to put out this content and share my opinions and my thoughts, I picked the Celtics to win this series, even though I knew they had a Jekyll and Hyde kind of personality all throughout the season. And the reason why is I still thought at the end, they had more playoff-proven players. I still thought in close games, I would take Kyrie over Greek Freak. And still, even in a close game, you give me a one-possession game, I still would take him. But since game one, there have been no one-possession games. The Milwaukee Bucks have imposed their will and just dominated the Boston Celtics completely. And... It's a thorough domination on both ends of the floor. They're owning the paint. They're controlling the rebounds. They're defending at a high level. And they frustrated Boston's best player. Look, Kyrie Irving, for the last two games, he's 14 for 44 from the field. And some of those shots, yes, they're makeable shots. But if you watch within the rhythm or the flow of the game, he's taking a lot of bad shots as well. I'm not putting a series on him because this is a team thing and the Boston Celtics as a team have been dominated. If you told me going into the series that Milwaukee's bench 
would not outplay Boston's bench, but dominate them, I would have said, no way. It's just not going to happen. Look at Boston's depth, 1 through 10, and that's exactly what Milwaukee's bench has done. When Milwaukee starters take a rest, the level of play doesn't fall off. Their bench players actually have outplayed the Celtics starters for a short period of time. This team, and I'll admit it, because I thought they were more built for the regular season, I didn't think they had enough playmakers around Giannis to go beyond a second round. And so far, to his credit, Chris Middleton has proven me wrong. Eric Bledsoe has proven me wrong. George Hill has kind of had like a resurrection. He's been great in the playoffs. He's been amazing. I mean, next level in this series. I would actually say that when he's matched up against him, George Hill's outplayed Kyrie Irving. They're getting contributions from Ilawasova. They're getting contributions from Sterling Brown. This is this is a team on a mission. I'm not going to go prisoner of moment and say that the Bucks are going to win it all. But what I do think is ultimately they're going to close this series out. They're going to close this series out, and then they're going to meet the Toronto Raptors, and that's going to be a heavyweight battle. It will be interesting to see what the Raptors do when it comes to the cross matchups. And will Giannis try to guard Kawhi and vice versa? I thought last night, and and I made it clear, look, I, I told you guys, the Celtics had to win or the series is over. I thought we were going to see, or they needed to see superstar Kyrie, and it just didn't happen. It didn't happen, which is why I picked the Bucks because I just thought they had controlled this series. They weren't, and they weren't winning close games. They were close games that at some point during the game, third quarter, the Bucks would just impose their will and just pull away from them. And that hadn't changed. They're the longer, they're the more physical, they're the more athletic team, and they're the better shooting team. And maybe, maybe we as fans sometimes get caught up in projecting. Maybe we get caught up in potential. A lot of people, including myself, thought after his rookie season, we projected that Jason Tatum was on track to become an all-star caliber player. Some people think Jalen Brown is. I don't see it, but some people do see him in that light. And I would tell you that neither one of them are anywhere near that level. I would actually argue that Jason Tatum has taken a step back. And I'm not going to go into that false narrative. It's about Kyrie. It's about him. He just hasn't played well. And when you look at him and look at how he's played on both ends of the floor in this series, Jason Tatum's got an interesting offseason. He needs to get in the weight room. He needs to work on his ability to get to the basket. He needs to become more of a complete player. Right now, he's just a jump shooter, and I thought that he was more than that. Same for Jalen Brown. Terry Rozier had an amazing playoff run last year. He has not been seen in this series. He is MIA. The Boston Celtics, as they're presently built, I would actually argue this team, this is going to be the last run with this team. I think Kyrie's bouncing. And I thought Kyrie was bouncing before the playoffs, so this isn't breaking news. But I also think they have to make decisions on Morris. They've got to make a decision on Rozier. He's a free agent. How much you want to invest in him. I think the Boston Celtics are going to have a very interesting offseason.
Hey, salute to the Milwaukee Bucks. They were actually a lot better overall than I thought they were. I'm really impressed, not with Giannis, because I expected him to be a beast, but I'm really impressed with the players around him. I'm impressed with Brooke Lopez and Miritage, Bledsoe, Pat Connington. Connington snatched 10 boards last night, got nine points. At one point, there was a two or three minute run where Connington was like the best player on the floor. This team, they're definitely making that push to get to the NBA Finals. This team is looking towards bigger things. And it's a team that's ascending. No disrespect to Boston, but I would really be shocked if the series didn't end in Milwaukee. And then you switch over to the Western Conference. And I told her, I, I told you hate to be the guy that said I said you here's the thing. We don't you can't predict how sports is going to play out. You can't predict injuries. You can't predict a role player coming out of nowhere and having a career game. It's unpredictable. But when people just wrote Houston off after the first two games, I didn't understand it. And I'm not here to say that I call every series or every. I just told you I picked Boston in the last series to beat Milwaukee. I'm wrong. I picked Portland to beat Denver and the way it looks momentum wise, I might be proven wrong in that one as well. But this series, I didn't even pick. I, I told you my big picture view of what's going to happen with Golden State. But I knew that Houston was better than a team that's going to get swept. I knew that all Golden State had done is won the first two games at home. They held they held serve. I also knew that if you go back and look at those first two games, those were winnable games for Houston. They were close games. Golden State did not dominate either of those games. I also told you, look at the numbers. Steph, Clay, they had not shot well. KD had shot, he had been effective, but he wasn't as, as efficient as he's used to being because Houston is being physical. And so when people, this kind of goes into another debate. So when people talk about, well, Steph is all time and KD would do this or that in any era, what I point out is, they struggle with the physicality that's allowed in this era. What do you think they would do in the 90s? You know what I'm saying? Be, be realistic. If, you, if you're struggling with the physicality, and it's not a lot that's allowed in this era, what are you going to do back in the 90s when you can actually use the forearm, when you can ride somebody? Completely different results. I tr trust me on this. And this is not a hate because I'm a fan of their skill. I'm a fan of their shooting ability. But one of the reasons why this series is a series, yes, Houston can match Golden State because they have, and I, and I said this way before the playoffs started, they have two incredibly gifted pick and roll players. James Harden is the best pick and roll player in the NBA. And when he can isolate you and get you, get you going side to side, you're at his mercy. Chris Paul still can play at a high level, still can get others involved, still has a deadly mid-range. And while he's only six feet tall, he's one of the most physical players in the NBA. So you look at the physicality of Chris Paul, of P.J. Tucker, of Iman Shumper, of Nene, and James Harden is physical. They are being physical with Golden State on both ends of the floor. And you can tell. It's, ha it's having an effect on Golden State. You can see the Warriors players getting a little bit frustrated with all the touching, um, with all the physicality. Houston is getting in Golden State's head. 
I'm not telling you that the Rockets are going to win this series. But what I am saying is this, this series, this series is going to go seven again. And if it goes to seven games, all bets are off. And really, I'm I'm assuming it's going to go seven. Remember, they're going back to Oracle for game five. Houston is playing with no pressure. The Warriors, they're playing with all the pressure. The weight of the world is on their shoulders at home. And Houston is walking into an arena where they're comfortable, where they've won many times. I will say this. I believe whoever wins game five will win the series. That's how much game five game five matters. And if Golden State is going to pull this out and take control, they've got to be better defensively. And they've got to move the ball better offensively. They've yet to get a complete game where Clay, Steph, and KD all play well. And for them to win this series, that's got to happen in game five or they're going home. It's the cipher. The podcast you just heard was made using Anchor. Ever thought about making your own podcast? Anchor makes it really easy for anyone to get started. It's a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing podcasts. Best of all, it's 100% free. Sign up now at anchor.fm slash new. That's anchor.fm slash new to get started.